Hi guys, welcome to Norwich. I'm glad you could be here to join me on your lunch breaks and I appreciate the time that you um, are going to spend with me because this talk was a talk that originally I wanted to do at Tech Nottingham um, but because of global pandemic obviously um, I had to postpone the talk but I just felt like I did so much research into this and I wanted to start off Norwich with a bang and I wanted to be the first one to come to the table and present a talk so show that anybody can do it so I'm glad that you're here and we're just gonna go up in straight into the talk so the talk is on diversity versus inclusion and the reason why I'm doing this talk is because obviously I'm a black person and <laughs> even though maybe I would have it would have probably come a lot better if it was somebody white that was standing up here um, talking about diversity but you know I think I wanted to represent what the what what I as an individual face on a day-to-day -day. not only that but what I've seen in the industry and what I've researched and hopefully you know I can actually spread the word give some advice to companies in order or to get more um, people from diverse backgrounds and I mean people from 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 like uh, mine black or you know um, different different cultures um, Asians you know different races creed classes within the industry I don't care we just need to get more of a mix within this industry and I just feel strongly about that so this talk is literally just to make sure that you know I'm helping people especially companies that are some way of going towards having more of people from different different races within their company and it's not only represented by by one race so this is where the talks comes in so let's get straight into it so I you know my name is Dwayne Codling I am a front-end developer at JH I've been doing front-end for the last three years and with that I have before 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 actually becoming um, a front-ender I was a lecturer at Nottingham College and I did that for about three years as well so <laughs> you never know but I think I like my place within the tech industry I like my, my place within the um, doing front-end I, I love it it's something that I I actually like going to work and like building stuff and I think if I can have some way of doing some type of thing where I'm helping people on a day-to-day -day basis then I'm happy so I think that role suits me well now let's start from the start so the generational wealth gap so anybody know what the generational wealth gap is so it's very interesting because the way generational wealth happens is that your dad would have inherited some inheritance from his dad and then Prior to that, his dad would have inherited some inheritance that could be in the form of land, money, um, car, something of value. It could be a painting or whatever. And over the years, the way, especially if it's land, the way land works is like if you own a piece of land now, and say with economy going up or whatever, depreciating or, and, and contracting, and then it goes back up, somewhere down the line, if you had your family owned a house that was worth ten thousand pounds, maybe in another hundred years it might be worth ten million pounds. Just for just for for the um, the way of talking about generational wealth. So 
But I want to take it a little bit further. And this is why I want to take it a little bit further. So now that you understand what generational wealth is, let's take it a little bit further. So let's put yourself back um, to 1865 in America. So in 1865 in America, something happened. The slaves were free. So if you were a black person that was working on a plantation, you were free. And when you got freedom, you were a free man now. And, but obviously, you, weren't, you had no power or, or any kind of influence in society. So the one thing that the um, person, the free slaves in America asked for, to get feel like they could, they could start off at the starting blocks and maybe be able to catch up with their white counterpart, was to get some land. So they asked for land. And they asked for land from the president at the time that was Lincoln. And he said, okay, I promise you, you get some land and that will help you guys to to build um in to, to you know to build in society to get back to a point where black and white might become the same on equal footing there will be equality and stuff like that now what happened was very tragic because president lincoln died and that promise was never fulfilled so the successor to the president um lincoln was andrew jackson and when he came into power he basically revoked that promise because he had a lot of pressure from white plantation owners who did not want to give any slave, ex-slave, I should say, land to make them feel like they were equal in society. And over the years, you know, they 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 found its laws or a lot of laws bills were passed where there were some institutional racism that was directed at somebody from a black or, or from a, a mix or from a minority background in order to make sure that the, 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 the equality of a white person to a black person within that society never happened. And it wasn't until the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King for equality that that was changed and where people started to not just segregate and you had white and black but you also had the mixture of different people coming together and everybody feeling like you know you were both human so it was only right for both people to be have the same footing so what does that have to do with the generation of world gap you might ask what does it have to do with it let's explain so the plantation industry was the biggest industry of the time so everybody involved in the industry became rich except the slaves so in 1740 one us dollar was worth 66 us dollar in today's money so in 2020 right so slavery was a very profitable economy when it comes to the economy it was very profitable so anybody that was a white plantation owner became a millionaire and especially in America, it's probably millionaires, most millionaires southern, in the southern states than any other commodity of its days. If you were dealing in slavery, you were rich. And that, that southern states, they actually became the economic engine that actually run the United States. So you are you are privileged, you had you had influence, you had you had loads of things if you just were a person that had slaves and was running in the plantation industry. Now, 
everybody was like, oh, that's America, we're not in America, so that's have to do with us. We, we never had slaves in England. And you, you might be right, but guess what? There was loads of people that live in England that had slaves in the colonies. And this is what happened between 1630 to 1807. Britain slave merchants made a profit of about 12 million pounds on the purchase and sale of African people. So if they were just selling them, selling them to America, they were making money. If they were selling them to the colonies, they were making money. If, and they, believe it or not, there were slave ports in England where people were transferred slaves to the England and in Liverpool, and then they literally transferred them to different places in, in, the, in, in at the time when um, British had an empire and they had different places that they had slaves ownership. So if you think about 12 million, that's what the figure is on the board. So 12 million back then, in today's money, it's nearly a billion dollars. And you'd be like, wow. So believe it or not, so if you're, if you have forefathers that had any kind of, any kind of business back in the days, dealing with slavery and that money gets passed down from generation to generation to, to generation so my father my father my cousin my no my uncle you know my uncle great 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 granddad just think about all of that that you that you have come in with and i've done it in a way where i want you to think that if you're white because you've always been in power because it's always been somebody that is white in power it's always been somebody that's passing the law for somebody that is white the, ma the majority of of the society predominantly you know is cater catering to somebody that is white i mean mainstream caters to somebody that is white the tech industry now even though it's been around like especially like the internet only been around for like the last 30 years you look at that and even that industry that is relatively new, the majority of people that are at the higher level within that industry are white. So even after, you know, if you think about that, the generational wealth gap between somebody that has so much behind them, so much influence, so much power behind them compared to what it is today is, 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 is fascinating when you think about that because if you think about the influence of, of, of somebody that is white um, and the culture of white culture in mainstream compared to the black culture within mainstream you know that there is a distinct gap between how much programs on TV that caters to somebody from somebody that is from from a minority background you know mix our black or minority ethnic group you can see that plus there is so much institutional prejudice that has arise because of that and because laws were made into into bills were made into laws and you know all of these different parliaments that go through and the majority of people cater for people that look like them and it is just the case where we've come to this where we still have a case where somebody from a black or minority ethnic group is still fighting have some type of equality and even within tech industry we're still fighting to have that equality which if you think about it it's crazy i mean it's 2020 and we're still talking about this but yeah we're still talking about this because we still need to talk about this so 
let's talk about it. So Nottingham Tech scene. So the Nottingham, if you, if, so let's, 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 let's look at the Nottingham Tech scene. The tech industry in, in Nottingham, would you consider it to be diverse? And a lot of people would say yes, because we have a lot of, of meetups that, you know, cater for people. Um, and we have women in tech and we have loads of different um, um, projects that are ongoing, project functions, which talk about um, helping somebody from underprivileged backgrounds to towards coming into tech. So we have loads of in, 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 in initiatives in place where we're trying to get people from that type of, of cultures into the tech industry. So Nottingham looks like we're okay. You think so? Let, let's, 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 let, let, let's, let's see. So tech industry in Nottingham, and somebody said diverse, and I, and I will say this, most people, when they talk about um, tech industry being diverse, it's all about, um, I've hired so, a, a white woman to fit this role. And because we have hired two white women and we have 14 other um, male, male that work in the office, we have a diverse business. We are diverse. That's what people say when they're in Nottingham. And I've seen it myself. I've commented on it. You can see, go check my Twitter feed. It is a case where people have this mindset when they talk about diverse, is that you have you have females working in an industry, but it's not a black female or a Asian female or a Chinese female or somebody from a different minority ethnic group is somebody that is white. And for me as a black person looking in and looking for somebody that looks at a as a representation of me, I cannot see that. I don't see that. That white female, as diverse as she might be for somebody that is white, She's not diverse enough for somebody that is black. And all powers to somebody that is hiring female hires, I'm all for it. But I'm just thinking that we could do better and we could do some more when it comes to other people from diverse backgrounds as well. Yeah? Because the reality is, yeah, the reality is that that's what people call diverse when I don't think they should. Yeah? Because for me, you know, women in tech, I'm gonna say this, it's mostly white women in tech. And it's really bad to say that, but it's the truth. It's like, if you think about it, it's like the most people that get hired and when you are getting hired, look like everybody else that been working in that in that company and the majority of people that will that are working in the tech industry now even in nottingham that has a multitude of mix and diverse is a mixed diversity the multitude of people that get hired into the industry are white now how can we say we're representing society within tech if that is the case no this is what I'm talking about. The tech community versus our society. Look at Nottingham. Majority of kids born now are mixed race. My kids are mixed race. The majority of families that you see are all mixed. You have so many different cultures within the city. 
but compare that to the tech industry within Nottingham. I won't show it, but you can look. Look at the different companies. Look at look at the different companies and look at the people that work at these companies. Look at their Instagram photos for their for their Christmas party. Look look at their Instagram posts for their for their team meetings where they're showing all of these Zoom calls on um, that they're taking pictures of the entire company that are on Zoom calls, predominantly white, and that's just what it is. That's just what it is. Now. If we're thinking about building a tech community that truly represents our society, if we're thinking about building a tech industry that represents our society, that is contrary, that is complete opposite to what the society is. Diversity for me means having different opinions from different people of all shades, color and abilities. That's what diversity means. So people say, you know, you're just ignorant and it's the case where, you know, empathy and you can empathize with somebody else and you can, you can get similar feelings. So you don't need to, you don't need to, you know, you, you can understand where somebody's coming from. And I, and I understand like, you know, a lot of people say, oh yeah, I can understand where you're coming from. And some people will say like, oh yeah, you know what? I don't see color. You know, somebody white, somebody black, it means nothing to me. It's the same. It's all about the person. It's all about the individual. It's all about the person and the individual. It's not about the color of their skin. And I get that. I get that. I hear you. But ignorance is a real thing. I mean, there's a certain level of knowledge you can never attain. Look, I was born black and I will never have knowledge of what it is like to be white. Never. The opposite is also true though, you know, if you are born white, you don't fully understand and you will never fully understand what it is to be black. But how does one gain some understanding from somebody else? It's about having conversations. It's about asking. It's about researching. It's about learning. You might never be empathetic towards somebody without having a vested interest in that person to begin with. In order for you to have a vested interest, you have to have these conversations. We have to talk for you to know how I feel as a black man working in the tech industry. Plus, you have to talk to other people from other cultures for them to, uh, to know where you're coming from. So, in order to do this thing where we are gonna try to make this a better industry, we first have to start from the ground up. So, firstly, we need to be looking at things through different lenses. We need to invite diversity and inclusivity into our workplace. And we need to be promoting diversity in the way, in these ways in the, in the tech industry. We need both. We need diversity and we need inclusivity. We need people to help to look. We all need people. And the tech industry need people to help them look through the lens at a different lens to change the response to different problems. We have loads of problems that we go through on a day to day. And it is important that we have different people from different backgrounds in order to help to fix these issues that we do have within the industry. And the tech industry is booming at the minute. I mean, look at it. Zoom is booming. 
e-commerce is booming. We're not locked down. And yet I'm here being able to do this talk where I'm trying to give you a point of view because I'm working in the tech industry. But if we don't have buy-in, if we don't have the buy-in of everybody in the society, when feelings change and things move on and there's no longer appetite for it, our industry will fail. The only way to guarantee that our industry doesn't fail is that we need to have everybody. And when we mean everybody, I mean we need to have people from different cultures, different ethnic groups in the industry solving the problems that the industry faces in order to make it better. And we need to be building a community that truly represents our society because these are the people that we are actually selling these products that we're making for. So we should, in theory, have that representation within our workplaces. And you might ask yourself, how can we do better? I always heard this saying growing up. And I, I firmly believe in it, you know, it takes a community to raise a child. And as we need to give a bit of our time and to invest in the industry, what we need to be thinking about is saying to ourselves, we need to be planting these seeds, yeah, that we will never, and I mean that, we'll never see become trees. And I mean by that is that we need to be doing things that we don't need to be seeing the benefits from straight away but long term we know it has the potential to bloom into something great and i will stamp it on for you so this is mel this is mel and her daughter so mel was introduced to me about a year ago about a year and a half ago and what she, what, I, what she wanted was to get into the industry, long story. She was a college student. She, this is her second skint at college, the first time she left because she felt pregnant. She got married and, you know, a lot of things happened, but what, what, kind, of, what, kind, of, what kind of drived her was the fact that, you know, she felt like she was in a situation where not a lot of people thought that she would have been able to become somebody and she felt like the tech industry web development is what she specialized in um was something where she could actually do that she had a quick brain she felt like she could learn a lot she, she was a rough around the edges but she felt like if she put the time in because she was read about it a lot of people put the time in and self-learn, she could get there. And she just needed a mentor, somebody to just push her along. And that's all she asked me to do. Now, the only thing I had to do was to give her one hour of my time on a week-to-week -week basis. One hour of my lunch. And I met up with her and I basically spoke to her about um, what she was working on, looked at her work, gave her critique and told her how to do it better. And then she came back, showed me how she did it better. And it was ongoing until the point where she finished uni, she applied for a job, she got a job in the industry at Artec. This is Mel now. Mel has literally gone, skyrocketed to the point now where she is in the industry mentoring others 
telling them how to get into the industry. It was something that she dreamt of and because she felt like she has achieved it, now she's at the point where she wants to do the same for other people. She's working in the industry and her daughter looks up to her and copies her mom in everything she does. And there's a potential there for her daughter to become somebody in this industry because she sees her mom as a role model, as somebody that looks like her. That is not just a white woman working in the tech industry, but somebody from a mixed background that possibly, you know, her daughter could actually come and do the same thing her mom does. And this is what I mean by planting seeds that you'll never see become trees. The potential for a daughter to become something because of her mom doing this is great. And that's what I think we need to do more of. Diversity is the cornerstone of winning teams. I'll give you a scenario. You're asked to employ somebody. There are two candidates. One candidate you have met before, you're aware of that person's work ethic, and there's some familiarity. The next person has a good CV, good education, but you're not sure how they fit into your team culture. Who do you hire? See, these are the questions. Who do you hire? Now, if the workplace was truly a representative a reflection or representation of society um, that you make products for and you do these things for, then your team meetings, your Christmas party, yeah, would look like what society looks like. But it doesn't, I've looked at them, I've seen your Instagram posts, I've seen all of those Christmas parties, I've seen, even now, I've seen the Zoom calls, that the all company Zoom calls, and the majority of people within that work in the tech industry are white. There's a distinct shade of black and color missing from these pictures that represent the industry. Brooklyn Dodgers famously signed Jockey Robinson, who became the first African-American baseball player in the modern major league and led his team to six National League pennants and his first World Series. The Boston Celtics were the first NBA team to draft an African-American player, to start five Af African-American players, and to name an African-American all-time great, Bill Russell, as their head coach. They won NBA titles they won 11 NBA titles in 13 years. For your company to have the best chance of winning, it should embrace diversity and inclusion. And as you embrace diversity and inclusion, approach it as a team sport. Talent acquisition should act like, the, like a point guard in basketball or attacking midfielder in soccer or football. <laughs> Setting up and feeding teammates so they can succeed 
and more importantly, so the whole team can succeed. That was a quote from Rosanna Duretti. She is a HR executive at LinkedIn. And it's quite striking because she's from a black uh, background or a mixed background. And I saw this, saw this interview that she gave and she spoke about this. And one of the things that I, that I clocked clocked on was a video that she posted and it was a little girl black little girl that was hugging this female developer because she was saying I cannot believe that you're the head of this massive company and you look just like me that sent shockwave through my body because it is so important for somebody that look like me to be out here giving a talk because what it does is that somebody coming up can see this and can feel like they can be a part of something that I'm a part of Don't focus on visual appearance, focus on the agenda. That's a quote from me. Ask yourself, who are your clients and customers? What do they look like? Who sits in the office? Who makes these websites? Who makes these products? Do they look the same? I personally, personally have been told by someone, I treat everyone the same. I don't see color or race. That person was white. My rebuttal is simple. If you could change your race to being black, would you? Do you think there is no such thing as race or you just don't see color? Having people in our industry with varied knowledge and varied points of view is ideal as it represents your society, market, and the world. Let people who let people be who they are without fear of being marginalized. There is a severe lack of accessibility for blacks and minority ethnic groups in the tech industry. But there is no overwhelming concern and it doesn't affect the majority of people working in the industry. Why should it be somebody else's lack of representation affects you personally when you never understand what it means to be black? Guess the same way I will never understand what it is to be white. Even if I don't understand truly as I was not born white, the representation of what is to be white is overly subscribed in our industry and our society at large. Do people know what white privilege is? When you are accustomed to something all your life, do you see it as a privilege? There is more than one way of being black. And I'll tell you a story. I grew up in Jamaica. There were different shades of black in Jamaica. 
the majority of the population would be considered to be black. But if your skin tone was lighter, you were given preferential treatment and was seen as above others. When I was growing up, the Prime Minister looked like a white man. But he governed a country that was distinctly black. I never grew up thinking I could become the Prime Minister because that's what I saw and that was in Jamaica. But somebody is saying to me that in England where the predominantly population is white, I do not see colour. Everybody is the same. I see colour. Everybody is not the same. There's a lot that you don't understand. A lot of people don't understand what privilege is. I'll let you know first, Anne. You don't lose your white privilege when you don't understand what it is. I don't want you to feel bad about being white. The same, I don't want to feel uncomfortable for being black. But I'm going to critique our industry as part of my job. Because having somebody from a different point of view critiquing the work you do and showing your flaws in the position that you, you, you are and giving, giving you feedback is a positive thing. It's a good thing that will help to change this industry. And this is why I'm doing this. I'm not critiquing you in a negative way. I'm critiquing you with a hope that this will bring positive changes. Create and accelerate opportunities. Create opportunities and accelerate these opportunities for others. We know why is the default mode. But dark mode is sweet. <laughs> it saves batteries. It's easier on the eyes at night. Having the option to switch is not a bad thing. Being different is not a bad thing. It leads to discovering approaches and thinking outside the box. The default choice to solve problems. Sacrificing something for a greater good is not a bad thing. It leads to enlightenment. Teach yourself about everyone else that is not white. There's a ton of literature. You can stop saying that you're ignorant because you could say that you don't see colors or there's no prejudices or there's no racism. If you're saying that, it's because you haven't had a more diverse view. <laughs> of the world if you continue to look at the headlines or you continue to look at your social media feed this is not reality in reality the world is made up of different races and different individuals with different beliefs. we all breathe the same air and use the resources the earth provides in order to live it would be ideal for you to have some a conversation with somebody that is not just from your clique of people that you go out with on a day to day and not the same skin color that you are. 
and understand their culture and their background. Stories and drive. Stories and drive should be used to evaluate how it fits your company. Gender equality versus race equality. Having women in tech is great, but there are there should be some similarities, some similar initiative towards having all races in tech, I think. There should be some representation of different people of color in order to be calling your workplace a diverse workplace. Being the only woman in an office surrounded by male is not ideal. Also, being the only black female surrounded by male co-workers is not ideal. But I let you know and I let you be the judge of which one you think is worse. Both make you feel isolated. Having an office that brings your culture, gender forward makes you feel comfortable. For people from underrepresented ethnic groups working in tech, you can't unplay your diversity card. You've already been played it. Represent your minority by showing up and taking part and asking for progression. Unspoken connection, similarly going into a place where somebody looks like you, there is a comfort level already established. Stop being so quiet, make some noise, get your level up. If you are white and in privileged position in your company, it's not enough to open a door and say, well, we can hire somebody that is from an ethnic minority. Do more. Imagine somebody like me. Imagine us in your own shoes. Imagine one of us doing your job. Can you make that a reality? Try a different approach. Going against the grain, giving somebody a job because they're given to you by a recruiter is just lazy. Do some research. Use another matrix. Are the people smart? Do they work hard? Are they humble? In your companies, you have many people that are married. Do you have matrix on how many people have children? Do you have matrix on how many people own their house? These are stats that show how you're treating people in your workplace. These are stats that show how comfortable people are in their jobs. To make these long-term investment, you need to change the philosophy of the company. You shouldn't be muttering so much on just profits. If you're a CEO of a company, a tech company in Nottingham, You should be asking yourself, can my staff do what I can do? Or can I make sure 
that my staff are given the same options that I am given. What happens when you hire somebody that is from an ethnic minority group? What happens if you hire somebody that's black? Is it the case where this person is the only black person in that company? So they have to start assimilating into a white guy, white guy role. If it's a woman that you've hired, does she have to become manly to fit in? What is the culture that drives your company? Having an office that brings your culture and gender forward and makes you feel comfortable is what people should be looking for. That's the type of workplaces that we should be creating for others. If interviewing is done right, you will get somebody, you will get people that will help you and your business to achieve. We should look at culture, profit and work as the holy trinity. These three should not outweigh any. One of these shouldn't outweigh any of the other two. Profit should drive culture. Culture should drive profit and work. All three should balance decision making. And all three should have consistency behind them. People need to start asking the question, why don't we? Rather than, this is what we always do. If you don't like how things are being done, why not show people how to do the things the better way? There are companies out there that have 10 million turnovers, but give 4,000 pounds a year for women in tech to promote diversity in tech. There are companies out there that turn over 10 million pounds a year and they give zero to project function to promote black and ethnic minorities in tech. Having an office that brings your culture forward, being able to go to work and being able to put your music on, on Spotify and being celebrated for it. That's the type of office somebody from a mixed and diverse background should be trying to get into. Let's talk about core vision and goals. Having a core vision and actually attaching change to that goal of improving diversity, inclusivity in your organization is the only way that you will achieve change in that organization.
you could try removing the name, removing the location of a job, removing the date of birth from application, thinking that you are removing bias. But I will guarantee you that as soon as a person enter the next round of interviews where they have to do a face-to-face -face interview and that person is being interviewed by somebody that is looking for somebody that looks like them, they won't get the job. Organizations are lazy. They don't want to fix it because it's just easier to hire somebody that likes horse riding and like the same things that they do or look like them. Organizations don't want to surround themselves with people that don't look like them because they think they might rock the boat. So they look for something where everybody is identical standing in a straight line. Compared to actually having a set goal where that is coming from the top, from the CEO saying he wants more diversity. He wants somebody from different backgrounds and cultures within his organization and putting that as a core vision and a goal within the company. So everybody is on that point and everybody wants to do that. These are the things that we need to do in order to become better. Our industry is a beautiful one. I work here and I would like to see my kids looking up to me and thinking they could possibly work here in the future. But if there is no more, if nothing more is being done for somebody from diverse backgrounds, races, to be able to come into a tech industry and feel comfortable and feel like they're included, feel like they can go anywhere within the company. There will always be a shortage of people like me that look like me in tech. Thank you for watching. I really appreciate the time that you've spent. And I hope that this talk has led you to, um, to some enlightenment and maybe push you in some direction towards wanting some change. And hopefully you understand where I'm coming from as a black person within tech. Any questions?